Hi, I'm Sanera Madani, and I'm a mom of two, a daughter of an immigrant and an unlikely entrepreneur who went from scaling an idea to a billion dollar business. Yes, a billion dollar business. Along the way, I learned that less than 2% of female founders ever hit 1 million in revenue. And I became obsessed on a mission to change that. I believe that there is so much gatekeeping in business knowledge and that we as female entrepreneurs should be learning from other female founders and leaders who have broken the statistics. Since I never went to CEO school, I've had to learn it all the hard way, but you shouldn't have to, because we believe that you deserve to have it all. And honestly, nothing bad happens when women make more money. Grab a seat because class is officially in session. Welcome to CEO School. AI is eating the web as we speak. And what that means for business leaders is this. The time to embrace AI technology is now. Because for people like us, automation helps us do more with less while continuing to meet and exceed business expectations. It's basically magic. If you haven't tried HubSpot's new AI features, you should do that. Content Assistant and ChatSpot are two brand new tools that will immediately save you and your team time. HubSpot's features run on ChatGPT's tech to help you make compelling content and manage your CRM way faster than before. We're talking ad copy, data analytics, workflow automations, all with a chat command. So work smarter, not harder, and head to hubspot.com artificial intelligence to learn more about using AI to streamline your marketing, sales, and customer service ops. All right, Sal. So we are on part two of this episode. For those that have not caught up, that we left you guys on a crazy cliffhanger <laughs> yeah. of the moment that Sal was... What was happening going through Sal's head when he decided to come partner with me at uh, at Stacks? And it wasn't Stacks at the time. We just went through the last like 30 minutes of the most unbelievable stories about our childhood, about our, our values, Sal getting to know Sal a little bit, about his first business, um, Burger Bar, and just so many amazing things. Honestly, it's been one of like the most fun things I've ever recorded. So, and oh, I've never man. even done like this cliffhanger thing. So all of this <laughs> is new. All right. So- you were telling us yeah. what was going on in your head when I decided to ask you about coming to join me as my yeah. business partner. Yeah, so so from my perspective in the story, so I, um, Sanira had called me, you had called me to ask me to take two weeks off of work so that way you could go to your honeymoon. Yes. And that you just needed to manage. And my honeymoon was like a year after my wedding because yeah. I was so focused on the business. Absolutely. And it was something like, I, I, don't quote me the number, but either between 30 to 60 customers you probably had signed yeah. up at this point. Uh, you had just started a, um, you had a full-time employee that was just starting. You had an intern. Yep. You had just gotten your first office, which was a total of 210 square feet. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember like going to Ikea to decorate it. Yeah. And so we we're getting pictures and you're like, hey, I just, I, you know, I just want somebody here to manage. And I was like, okay. So I took off two weeks of um, where I was working to come do this for two weeks and I remember just seeing all of it, right? Okay. All of it from like the marketing aspect, the style of customers, the like what was happening. And yeah. I was just like, man, there's like something here, <laughs> right? So I was I was slightly enthused for you at yeah. the time. There was there wasn't anything there. It was just like, man, there's like actually something here, and I think you can build a legit business. Um, but coming from all my software and all the backgrounds. There just wasn't automation. There wasn't yeah. like everything at the time. This was like paper applications, physically 
We had a fax machine. I know. But it was a digital fax. It was, yeah, it was a digital was. fax number. It was a digital number. phone number. Um, but this, guys, this is 2012. And so this is like a time no, that- No, this is 14, 15. No, no. Yeah. Or 2012, I started. Yeah. 2013. Thir- okay, 13 yeah. is when we got it off the ground. Yeah. And so, um, you know, so- I went through this two-week journey, helped onboard a few more customers, new things. You had got back, said thank you, and I had left back for San Francisco. So going back to your question is what was going through my head when you called? Um, I the had, fast company thing hadn't happened yet. You had first, okay, had, not had not happened yet. Happened yet. Yeah. You had come down to support me. You're right. Yeah. When I, we were at Faisal and I were on our honeymoon and you had come in to just manage the business to support me, you actually took your PTO to come down yep. to do it. Yep. And um, because we just didn't have enough support, like I was doing all of the hats. And this is also part of it, right? Yep. Like you have to wear every hat as an entrepreneur. Like you, we didn't come out the gate. I didn't have like money to go hire people. And, or and I'll tell anything. you that story because when you, we had a, it wasn't really a CRM system. I think we were using Zoho. I think you had installed. Yeah. It was like the first thing that she yeah. had put something in. And That's in there- That's when we weren't sponsored by HubSpot yet. Shout out to HubSpot. <laughs> HubSpot. And, and in there, by the way, huge HubSpot fan. So huge HubSpot huge fan. Huge HubSpot fan. Um, in the CRM system- And they don't pay him to say that. There was like 14 names of employees. I'm like, what, why are there so many different names? But they all, for some reason, started <gasps> with S. So it was like Sadie, Susan, Stephanie. Oh my God, you're going to love this. And- what I found out is that that was Sanira transferring it to herself. Yes. And each one of those were different people. So like yes. Susan was the customer service rep. So Sanira would be like, oh, let me get you my customer service rep and transfer it to herself as a different email address and a different yes. person to pretend to be a oh large company. Oh my God. Oh my God. This so, takes me back. Oh my God. Hold on. Yes. I literally managed like multiple inboxes, but this is what's so cool about like as an, you have to do wear all the hats and I literally had a different email like I had all these departments so I had yeah. the vision yeah. of like what our company would be like I just couldn't hire the people can afford it couldn't and so it. I literally had these like uh what do you call those names like um can't think of the word but I had um aliases yeah little aliases yeah and different names for each of the different department heads and I was yep. like head of customer support and it was just me on a different email with like yeah. a different signature yeah. and so only to make our customers I mean we were like what was crazy about the business is I'm handling people's money, right? I'm handling their payments. And so there was a sense of security that needed to be there. Yeah, scale. You needed to act like you belonged. Yes. And mm-hmm. so that was a way that, okay, so that's funny that you you remember that, that and, I had 14 different names and, I, and, and I it was do, all me. And I remember during that time frame before the article came out, we would speak probably more regularly because I was like, hey, you need to do this. Yeah. Or you need to do that. You need to do this. And so- a lot of the times because you had so many things on your plate, you're like, can you just do it? Right. Yeah. So it was like this, can you help me build the financial model? Okay, I know that we need to automate this piece, but how do we do it? Yeah. So it was, there was a lot of like, you and I were starting to build a version. Oh no, of, you were literally my back end. Right. And so I think that going back to your original question, when you called, it wasn't like this left field question. It was truly like- You were preparing for it. You were like, I knew it was going to happen. And, and in my back of my head, I knew it was going to happen, but I'm not going to lie to you. I was doing very, very well. Yeah. I was on a massive trajectory. And so I always knew that I was willing to help you in the background. I didn't need the credit. I didn't need anything. I was happy to support you in every capacity, but it wasn't going to be my full-time piece. And then when you called with the article, and the article, for those that don't know, it was uh, Meet the Woman Trying to Change the Credit Card Processing Industry. 
And literally probably five out of the 10 things I said we needed to scale and the other five things, all of them broke. <laughs> so our GoDaddy website broke. At the time, we had just started to implement like DocuSign. So imagine like, once again, pioneers in the industry to get people to sign financial documents it with just didn't electronic exist, signature. Yeah. Agreed. And so there were so many different pioneer movements that we were, were going through and all of these things started breaking. Um, we had a single phone in the office. So it wasn't like there would be multiple lines or voicemails. If you called, you would just get a busy dial tone for anybody that's ever called into like a radio station. That was basically what you were calling into. There wasn't a voicemail or et cetera. If you didn't get in touch with us, we probably lost hundreds or thousands of leads during that time wow. frame. And so that's where when Sanira called, I felt like my experience with some of the things that I'd just gone through plus her tenacity and what she had built, we could actually build something. And so I came down on a flight and we worked through like the week, the weekend, um, and I never left. And that was sort of the the beginning of actually scaling the whole thing. You never left. Never left. You're welcome, mom. <laughs> yeah, got me, got me back to Orlando. <laughs> oh my goodness. It was, it is, I'm gonna check this one off. Uh, that's amazing. I I feel like I learned something today about what was going on in your head. Um, and we did. I mean, we built it together and there wasn't even a question. I think people um, want to know like how we split up things or like yeah. how like when you came into the business, something that people may not know is that Sal and I have always been like one pot, like one. It's, you know, we literally have one team on like my like tattooed on my hand, like always one team, one dream. And so we've never had this bit of um, competitiveness, yes, but it was never towards like for any one of us to have, I can speak for myself and I know yeah. this is true about you, like one to have more than the other. I think like that was like always like, everything is together for each, all of our collective, like as a family's success. Yeah. And um, you said that I'm two years older. Yep. And so uh, I kind of want to, you know, how, how do we end up splitting things up as a company? So I remember starting off and you were like, okay, I want to bring you on as partner. And like anything else for anybody that brings on a partner, there's always like this moment you have in the back of your head. You're like, oh man, we're going to have to have the uncomfortable conversation of like equity, dollars, what are you going to get paid? Like, and every entrepreneur goes through it. Anytime you bring on a new partner and every concept is like, okay, do I give them 5% as my CTO? Or okay, if I give them that, do I create these incentives and all these things, which are all great conversations to go through. And I remember Sanira being like, look. That was a year I, in. A year in. And she was like, I don't want us to ever have any problem with our, our relationship. Um, you know, we've seen all sorts of different hardships through different family members, different areas. Our own. Like we've seen so much like from uh, businesses not work out, you yep. know, in family. And so we've seen it. And I was like, I do not want that. Like our relationship and what we have as a family is like the most number one important thing to me. And so how can we avoid that to yep. start? And so she said, let's just split it down the middle. Um, However, since she is two years older, she would get 2% more. So for those that don't know, Sanira owns 51% of the business. I own 49% of the business. She also makes $2 more than me. That grew to $2,000. It was $2,000 initially. Uh, $2,000 more than me. Um, when we built an office, she had two square feet more than me. So the concept has always been It's been a fun big twos. sister thing. Um, and we have continuously done it. Actually, the first time we actually recapped the business, if you remember, um, even in our like first equity 
like the first sell. Yeah. And when we got paid, they even paid you $2 more I know. At, out of the concept within it. But um, I think our investors love that little banter thing back and yeah. forth. They, everyone knows it. It's, yeah. it's such a fun, but it was, it was always split. It was down the middle. The middle. Yeah. And even that, what's really fun is like, as you're, as you raise capital and things like that, like that, that even that 2% became like nothingness Yeah. Uh, in our scale. But it was, the goal was, and I think that's something that, you know, if you're thinking about, if you have a partner in your business, if you're looking to bring on a co-founder, things also, like something that I would say why it really worked well for us as true partners as well, we, I never had to think about, like we always came from the same, like we were both going to win, right? Or we yeah. were both going to lose. So one person never had like more skin in the game for any decision making or for like advocating something else. Like no matter what, one, there was this massive amount of trust that you have as like, who's like, he's my brother. I trust him more than like more than anything. Right. And so the trust was naturally there. But I also think that in partnership where it doesn't work out is when one person um, is still more dominant than the other. And there were areas that I would say from a a work role perspective, like, and I think that we split those things up differently, but always at the end of the day, it didn't matter because it was like, it was down the middle. It was like equal. I always knew we were coming from equal sides to the table. We both wanted the same result. We always wanted the same result. And that doesn't mean we didn't disagree Oh my God, did we disagree? So we've had those challenges and, um, but yeah, it was always that we both wanted the same outcome and that was always true. And just to kind of, you know, high level fast forward, I mean, we took that business from just those 30 to 60 customers. And I would say that you were the secret weapon for scale, by the way. So although although it started like everybody brings something unique to the table, like you need to have all the pieces to make it work in a in this like magical big way. Like if you if you want to have a business that's a billion dollar business, it, ha- it has to come from, there's a lot of pieces that it takes for it to come together. And the team at the end of the day, especially the founding team, is the most important piece to that puzzle to see, is it even going to get successful beyond that you know $10 million mark? And once you're past that $10 million mark, then it's just a matter of operational things to hit scale and whatever else is to take it from all that All easy 10, stuff. All <laughs> easy stuff. None of it's easy. But that initial part of it. Yeah. There's a lot that you learn about in a company if it's going to be successful or, or if it's not. And the team is so important. And I find so often, and this is something I talk about to, you know, we have a, our audience is primarily women, female entrepreneurs. And one thing that I find that women, we just don't take enough risks on adding in team members, scaling through people. And we would not have been able to be successful if we didn't bring in the right pieces. And so my background with marketing, and we both had a finance background, so we were great in terms of our industry that we had. However, Sal was focused on sales and operations. I was more focused on go to market, right? And 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 marketing. And I was a great storyteller. Like I was able to get us into Vast Company within yep. the first like six months without having a PR company, right? And so there was this great element of like vision and storytelling, but marketing, but also we needed that operational scale. And the third leg to our stool that was missing was we were building on someone else's technology. So we had an unbelievable product, a great edge in the market comes to our pricing model, model, all of these things. But 
we didn't have our own proprietary solution. And so we recognized that, that although we were this like amazing partnership, there was another leg to the stool that was missing. And that's where our technical co-founder, our other co-founder, Jacques came into the picture. And Sal and I uh, joined a tech accelerator. Again, being in person, figuring it out, getting ourselves in the room. And we're like, where do we go find a CTO? We're going to find him at a tech accelerator. And so that's how we ended up um, Jacques. meeting Jacques and he became this like perfect third, uh, third leg to the stool. And you got to have three legs to the stool because it's yeah. not going to, it's not going to stand up. And so he became my other brother and our other brother. I had lunch with him yesterday. Into the journey. And so 10 years mm-hmm. of building, working together, taking the company from, to our first million that year, like that first million dollar mark was such a milestone. So important to then raising venture capital right? Being yeah. told no constantly to fighting our way from like why we're building a company in Orlando, Florida. There was no tech companies here. Okay. I mean, like I can tell you countless stories of how shitty the last great, but also hard yeah. the last decade were was in building. And then we sold the company in 2020 to private equity. And then we resold again last year. And, and it was valued at north of a billion dollars. Yeah. And we took the company from nothing to, you know, uh, 400 plus employees, multiple offices. We did multiple mergers and acquisitions. We we acquired companies. We uh, raised almost 500 million in capital. We we returned hundreds of millions of capitals for cop capital for our investors and for our community. Uh, and we built a company always based on our values like that. Yep. It was a culture of stacks and we built this textbook, perfect textbook, perfect <laughs> company. Um, and we scaled it. And now we look back and now it's, we, we exited the company, but yeah. I have to ask you, uh, Sal, looking back, you know, what is the biggest advice that you would give yourself as a young entrepreneur, like starting out, and now through all of these lessons learned from building, not, you know, from nothing to a billion. All right. I don't get to have a lot of unicorns on my podcast. So yeah. uh, what what is it like? What are some big lessons or advice that you want yeah. to give to our audience today? There's definitely a couple. I think the first one that always resonated and I think you'll share it was just if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And we had a phenomenal team that we continuously brought to the table. I think one of Sinera's superpowers um, is bringing the best out of people, but finding great people. Um, and we had from- You are what you attract. CROs to CMOs to heads of sales to operations managers um, to frankly all 400 people. Yeah, I would probably bet on those guys all day. Um, you know, And I, I think that that was probably one of the biggest things that made us successful was just- constantly checking our egos at the door, um, challenging ourselves to continuously build bigger, take the right risk in a calculated format um, and and going for it, right? I think that the team around us is probably one of the big things that I go back to. And it's probably a self-reflection because I think when I, I remember myself, like I felt like I needed to do everything. And so I probably fought that myself of like letting things go. like. Every you were single- the biggest perfectionist, like you, like that I had ever. I thought I was a perfectionist, but you are a perfectionist. <laughs> I 
I've been working on it. We're both Virgos, it. by the way. So we're literally like textbook Virgos. I, I've been I've been working on it is what I'll say. But you, yeah, you know, I, I think that that was it. And it some of it was out of fear, mm-hmm. right? Some of it was because you felt like you could do a better job. Some of it was out of experience. Um, but yeah, I think that the more we grew ourselves, attracted the right talent around us, um, that's sort of the one thing that it continues to bring through is bring the team members on, pay for them, give them the right equity, get them incentivized. Because I think if everybody rose in the right direction at the same time, like magic does happen. And I think that that's sort of the why we can call it a unicorn. But it wasn't just the unicorn outcome. I mean, those 10 years, I've always said it is like, it's truly about the journey. And I'd say that was probably one of the most fun things we've ever done or I've ever done in my entire life. The best years of our life. Like I feel so grateful and so lucky for this experience. Regardless of the outcome, I would do it over again exactly the same way. Like I wouldn't change a thing. And I was going to, my next question to you is like, would you change anything going back? I, I wouldn't, you know, it's, it's, if you look like, you know, Instagram, TikTok, there's all these like inspirational videos every day of this person who's like, oh, if you, you know, do the best thing, you'll never work a day in your life. Right. <laughs> I, I actually don't believe, I think if you do something you're passionate about, you work harder than anybody. In your life, right. Because I think yeah. you're willing to sacrifice your weekend. You're willing to go to, go to work at night because you give a shit that much more than the other person. I love that. Uh, so I, I think it's the complete opposite perspective than, than the one that. I actually agree. I've never thought about it that way. You're right. People are like, if you, if you, you know, if you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. You're right. We work harder on the things that we love. That is not true. It's actually, today's actually 4th of July. So we're actually in studio today. And, you know, it's funny. We were walking into the studio and the AC is off and our amazing, uh, you know, podcast manager, Carlos, who we love so much. Uh, Carlos is in the building. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry, guys. The AC's off. And we both look at each other. We're like, oh, yeah, it's just the building. It's it's a holiday. And so uh, we like immediately understood that that what was taking place because I will tell you the amount of nights and weekends and holidays that we've spent work, but never, I would tell you the best time is when it's like completely quiet in the office. And Every like, big innovation I think we ever had was on a offsite during a weekend or a holiday. That, that wasn't part of a regular day to day. That's always. why it's so, it's so important to get yourself out of always, like always, 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 a hundred percent. And I think that I love that you said that you work harder, and that is a testament to the things that you have built that we have built. Was I've I've your work ethic has always inspired me to work my best. Appreciate and that. I would say that you know people do bring the best out of you, and and you are the company you keep period. And that goes with your friends. And it's so important. That's why it's so important. We talk about community and circles and your friends. Something that we, you know, fail to mention here is that we were super privileged with the most unbelievably successful friends. When it doesn't just like, it doesn't just happen that way. Right. So, you know, Faisal came, you know, Faisal became really successful quick, not like everyone worked really hard, but when you're around the right people that are also rowing in that direction, that inspiration and that level of like you're with people who kind of get it and who are dreaming big and who are working hard towards something and there isn't it's not by luck that everyone that our friends group that is around us every single one has a successful company has a successful career who has gone off to do the most unbelievable things and you are the company that you keep and it's so important and so i just want to come back and say we had such great inspiration around us yeah 
of success that were like, man, if like if this person can do it, so can we. And that's why it's so important for you to also surround yourself with the right with the right people. And your the company you keep is super important. And what's amazing about building a team is that you get to choose that family next. So you might not have uh, you know, those people around you in your life today. And you might be that usually entrepreneurs are the black sheep of their family. Like they they're not, they don't usually come from families like ours yeah. that come from entrepreneurship. And that's why it's so important for you to cultivate those relationships around you um, that are thinking in that direction because those good qualities then rub off on you. And one of the best qualities that has rubbed off about Sal on me is that like that go big, that, you know, we could solve it, that like show up, keep showing up, keep showing up. Because I was kind of that person that I tend to I like still now. I tend to give up fairly quickly, like whether it doesn't seem that way or not. I'm usually like, oh, well, this just fucking sucks. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck it. Like, I'm done. Yeah. Like, let's just get rid of this thing. Or like, I'm quick to shoot the dog. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm quick to shoot the dog. Right, Sal? Like, it's not the saying, but yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Continue. That's a whole different conversation. <laughs> no, we should talk about that. Yeah. By the way, I get all of the sayings wrong. I didn't live in America for like a big chunk of yeah, like English my is our second language. Yeah. It's so like a, an important but part Sanira of But loves man, like all these mannerisms, et cetera. Like, it's not shoot the dog. You shoot the dog behind the barn. <laughs> shoot the dog. That's fine. But it, they would be like, don't put the horse in front of the cart. No, no, you do put the horse in front oh, yeah, of the Oh, yeah, you put, yeah, okay, I do, yeah. It's water under the rug. No, it's water, water under, under the, the bridge. bridge. I know. He used to have a whiteboard of, like, shit, like, wrong quotes that I would There was say. also a whiteboard that said shit, shit Sal says, so yeah. for the record. Um. Anyway, I for, like, where, I, where, where was I? I was talking about um, my, like, okay, so my ability to give up quickly, right? Yep. So to shoot the dog. I wish I would to call it that. I would be willing to just say, okay, let's let it go. And I still feel that way. When I get a setback, I mean, and let's face it, entrepreneurship is like this every single day. Every single day. You're going to have a super high and you're going to feel like you're on this amazing win and then you're going to get bad news. Someone's going to quit on you. Something is going to happen from a marketplace. Like, you know, so, something that's completely out of your control. You're going to get a bad review. Right? I remember the first day that somebody wrote anything negative about us like on a fucking Google review. And I was just like, this sucks. We're shutting down the business. Like, we just suck as a company. <laughs> yeah. Right? And it doesn't work that way. And so it's so important to have that balance and Sal I would say the one thing that you have given me is that tenacity to like keep going even when times are hard and I think we were really lucky to have each other that even in in the alternate when things were on the other side we always had another voice of reason to say like okay it's not time to give up let's just find a solution here and you really do need that in entrepreneurship you really do because this shit is really really hard yeah look i think yin and yang partnerships are the best ones um like if we both thought the same way we felt the same way we did all the same things i can tell you we would not have had a successful business at least not to the level that it was and i think that for anybody that has worked with us like there have been times where they're like, what is going on here? Because both of us are passionate and bickering and going, going, team. going at they're it. They're all right now like, oh yeah. Yeah. And oh, yeah. I don't want to call it public settings, but closed settings with our team. So call it eight to 10 people in a room. And people might've thought we might like throw a chair at each other of how, how intense we can get. But I can tell you that the moment we left that room and we made a decision, we were both the biggest cheerleaders of the decision we had made. And there was not, this was your idea or that was my idea. It was just purely talking through different perspectives. And it was 
always challenging each one of the things to be able to drive to making sure that when we did whatever it was, new pricing model, new product, that we had thought through the or 15 things. Or just deciding things. like, are we taking PTO on a certain like day? Like yeah, something we, as we, like super basic. Yeah, we had all sorts of topics. And um, but yeah, that I think that's what definitely made it special. I, I remember something that you always said as like, you know, when you, you know, you've been interviewed, we've been interviewed several times together and like people ask Sal, like, when did you know like you made it as a company? And you talk about walking the halls. Um, yeah, I think it was it was the coolest moments is like when we really didn't know what other people in the conference rooms were doing, <laughs> right? It was just like, you know that these are very smart people and that they're solving problems. And the fact that you were no longer the one that needed to be in every yes. single room to solve the problem and that people shared the passion, the vision, you had given them whatever framework, whether there was, you know, part of your QBRs or quarterly business reviews or your main goals for the year that you had shared with them. And, you know, if anybody uses Sneer CEO School Journal, like those goals that you set in the beginning of the year, you set for your team to go and execute. And then you trust that all those things that are happening in that room are going back to the, the goals that you've set for yourself. And I think that was sort of some of the, the fun things that we got to see. I, I love that. Why do you think it's so hard for people to like your description of and I agree with that is when other people like when you remove yourself out of the job, like I even right now um, coming back into now, like actually operating CO school as a, like as a business, like this has been a passion project for so long. We've had a really tiny team. I've let them kind of operate. I've just come in and they're expecting me to be in everything. And I'm like, nope, y'all, y'all solve for it. You've been doing it without me for so like you don't need me. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I, I love pulling myself out of my job. Yeah. And but I've learned that the hard way. I never used to be that way. What do you see? Like, what are some tips and things that you can give people who are afraid of letting that go? And why is that contributive to like the success? Look, I think for any great entrepreneur, you will probably believe that you will do that job better than anyone. And that's probably true. However, if you have 100 percent capacity and you can hire two people to do it at 80% of what you would do. Mm. A simple math equation there means you got 160% output, right? So you're right. It won't always be exactly what you do. But maybe if you create and spend five minutes with them up front and five minutes on the tail end, something that was a three-hour project, maybe you only spent 10 minutes on it. And then you can start to train them on what's important to you, why you go about it, and then you may also learn why they went about it somewhere else to help sharpen your own skill set. And so I think that you start to collaborate more. They get to learn from you. You get to learn from them. And I think it leads to just greater output. And I think that's something we try to do every day is work ourselves out of a job, right? And so how do we make sure that meetings can be held without us running? And we experienced it. We were, If we didn't show up to a meeting and we felt like nothing got accomplished because we get meeting minutes and we'd be like, why? What what did we what are we doing that is contributing to that problem? Are we too dominant? Yeah. Right. And then we would coach ourselves and be like, hey, today we're gonna try to be quiet in the meeting. And yeah. we would both walk into the meeting and try to say like 10 words or less was our goal. And we would be like, let's see how they get it. And every urge in our bone would fight for us to chime in because we won't provide our opinion. So many times we would each like not show up to a meeting, like one person would go, and even though we're both invited, it'd be like, I could totally attend it but I'm going to sit this one out and then you you report like back yeah. in that way. Speaking of coaching, yeah. uh what were some of the things that, you know, you know that you've done over the course of your career to, you know, you built a company that, you know, 
you took it to 160 million in recurring revenue, like massive. Yep. You did acquisitions. You've never done an acquisition before, Sal. Yep. You've never done, you know, different revenue streams for the company. We had a B2B segment. We had an enterprise segment. Yep. You scaled through so many different styles of technology. You didn't come from the payments industry. So yep. much of it you learned on your own. How did you continually like up-level yourself with guidance, mentorship, coaching? What were the things around you that made you successful? Look, I'm a... I'm a, I'm a believer of doing every part of a job. So like I'm- Jack of all. Well, I, I say it in the way of like, when you want to learn something, the best way is to put yourself in the position. Yeah. And so when we wanted to fix, and I, I remember we were having, you know, some challenges around, you know, customer onboarding experience. I remember you printing out every single page from the website journey- Oh yeah. All the way down and- inserting yourself to actually get on the computer and go through it to then that taking, was like last year that's not literally then, that's then taking the phone calls yeah and trying to onboard a customer and i think that what we learned along the way even if we didn't have the skill sets it was about actually going through the process becoming a sponge and then learning from the people around you and then you get to apply what makes you special right so it's these things are not like novel concepts. M&A has probably happened a bunch of times. People have scaled businesses a bunch of times. So there's probably a rubric that's there, but it's what's going to make it unique for you. And so it was applying, working with mentors and getting feedback, working with your team who's gone through it, working with your PE groups to understand what they've historically done, and then creating your version of that plan and then adapting and seeking feedback on a consistent basis, including you know, the three things we used to always do, even in our one-on-ones, which was like, what do you want me to keep doing? What do you want me to, you know, do more of? And what do you want me to stop doing? Like, those were three questions we would ask our direct one-on-one reports to give us feedback on, right? So it was an iterative approach that I think that we learned through. Um, and it was just a constant learning mentality. From a coaching perspective and also from a mentorship perspective, you know, how often would you seek coaching and mentorship? And, you know, what advice do you have for those around that, you know, they're learning from, I, I love what you said specifically about putting yourself into, you know, in solving those problems. And, you know, we have to go do that. But from a, you know, you said you can learn from the private, you can learn from all those people, but how do you go cultivate yeah. that mentorship relationship? Who were some of your biggest mentors and coaches? Yeah. So, um, you know, we, I had a variety of coaches throughout, um, and I still do. So many people I still keep in touch with, but you know, I learned a ton uh, in my Anaplan days, both from raising capital and building a sales motion from a gentleman named Dennis Dresser, um, who I would reach out to. And he was a non-formal mentor, but I would reach out whenever I had challenges. And he would call me back or whatever it was, but it was, I have a problem, I would seek it. And it was usually pretty tactical. It was like, hey, what do I think about comp plan design for a brand new division we're starting. I have no idea where to start. And you'd be like, well, think about X, Y, or Z. Or he would tell me like, hey, I think you need to hire a VP of sales who's done X, Y, or Z, and you would continuously provide it. So then there was formal coaching. Um, somebody that we shared, Asif Ramji, who had gone through multiple private equity raises, was you know in the fintech space historically, knew a lot of the players who we had a formal call on a once a month basis that had an agenda. And that he actually wouldn't take the phone call if we didn't, one, provide him what we were coming to do and 
report back on what he asked us to do. He's and, our accountability coach. And and bring us and close that back. And we learned so much across that journey uh, and owe so much to him. Um, so much. To- I want to give a like a little bit of a mention here. Asif is probably our biggest, my biggest mentor. I think our yeah. biggest collective mentor um, and somebody that understood our business, somebody that understood us. And somebody who was just, a you know, a couple years ahead of us. I think it's one thing to go get mentorship and, you know, from people. It's important to cultivate different styles of mentors and yep. different styles of coaches. Not one person is going to be able to solve your things, but you should have this, right? Like president has a cabinet, yep. right? And they can go to somebody who knows environmental stuff. When there's an environmental thing, there's an expert in that cabinet for that. When there's a policy thing, when there's an international thing. So it's important as a business as a CEO for you to have your cabinet. Yep. And something that I think is really important and I think is really outdated in the coaching industry or in mentorship is you want to have mentors and coaches who have also actually been there and done that. And the ones that have been there and done that have proven to be the, the mo- ones that have given us best the best time. actual advice because you were just there. Yep. And you you're you're you know Asif was an uh a standing he was an you know an amazing CEO but he was an active CEO. Yep. So it wasn't like it was, we were getting advice from someone been who had been yeah ago. 30 years ago and and those also bring also a ton of wisdom. bring yep. a lot of wisdom and we had those mentors around but from an accountability from a monthly coaching perspective we had somebody who was in the game who was playing the game at the top of their level and it was like being coached by Kobe Bryant, like in his prime time. Yeah. Right. And so we were like young, like new, new players, like entering the space. And Kobe was like, here, I'm at the top. Let me share you. Let me share you about what I'm doing every day to it. And it wasn't just about business. Like that's my favorite part of the, the, the mentor relationship that we have with Asif, who's like another, like who's become a family to us over the last 10 years was it wasn't just, there was like a business component of it, which was really serious (laughs) Heavy accountability, very direct. I mean, I cried so much <laughs> yeah. uh, in so many of our conversations yeah. um, because it was hard. It's hard to get get that feedback sometimes and you're doing your best and you're like, okay, well, you got to do more of it or this is how we're going to think about it. So there was that business component of it. Um, but then there was also like how we're doing as humans component of it. And like yeah. nobody else, like he would truly ask about life outside of just you know, the day to day. And are we actually enjoying the journey? And like, what are we doing to, you know, our mental health and uh, truly like pushing us on like our workout routines and everything else. Yeah. And like really During helping us. Race, he was like, this is like running a marathon. You need to hire a trainer. Yeah. You need to think about here are the things you're going to eat. Yeah. Like, so many life things I yeah. feel like were just part of that incredible journey. And so I don't think we would have made it if we didn't have the guidance or the support. And it's almost that insurance, right? Like when you are a um, a new founder, an entrepreneur, you, you don't need to know everything. Like your job is not to know anything, everything, but you have to be able to go solve those problems and find people that do know how to solve them. And there's the only one I'll add, and you know, there's a laundry list of names like Gil Friedman, Richard Lucker. There's so many different people that helped us along the way. But one thing I'll add is we also had peer group style. And they might not even be mentor or call them friends, but you also need people to just like bitch with, right? So like yeah. COVID yeah. was a very tough time frame. Like, like our CEO cohorts. CEO cohorts. I yeah. mean, think about the challenges we were going through. We, there was no perfect answer. Do you bring people back? Do you do this? Do you allow that? Do you go to work from home? What are you doing with this policy? There's so many different challenges that exist in the world today, whether they're political landscape based, whether financial landscape based. And I think having people that were alongside us in the journey that we could come back, collaborate with and 
hey, what are you doing in your company that's roughly the same size or roughly the same industry? That was probably some of the most special timeframes that was also for us is being able to have, and we were lucky that we had each other, but being able to still understand at our size, at our size, super yeah. important. And we also had a organizational um, coach as well. So we really believe in, you know, getting the right support around. We yeah. also had a coach for our, it was almost like the, uh, what's that TV show? Billions? No, not Billions. Wendy. Yeah. yeah. Wendy and, and Billions. Yeah. And yeah. Wendy and Billions, who was just like this org coach to like hype people up, you know, get get the sales team excited or get, you know, someone's in their head or the CEO's in her in her head or his head. And there's fighting going back and forth between like executives. And so we almost had our own Wendy, uh, Laura, uh, who um, is just over the last, you know, she was with us like from year one throughout our whole organization. It wasn't just, it wasn't just coaching for me and Sal, it was coaching for our entire organization and um, just coaching mentorship, a huge part of the success journey. So find your tribe. It's so important and it keeps you sane. Like it's like the one space that you can go. My Like I can't pillow talk with my, you know, with my husband about like the different levels of stress. You have a safe space to go to. Otherwise you do bring this shit home all yeah. the time too. So you need therapy, right? Like, yeah. and you need business therapy too. You need an outlet. You, you just need an, need an outlet. outlet to get it out. But you need it. So Sal, you know, closing out on the stacks journey, um, I would love. I know Sal, you and I talk about starting our our, our own podcast uh, yeah. called Entrepreneur Shit. Yeah. So coming to uh, uh, you know an iTunes and Spotify near you. Uh, I'd love to know from you guys. If you guys are enjoying this episode, let us know. You could tag Sal on Instagram. You could tag me. You could, you know, post on LinkedIn, whatever. Let us know if you do want us to start the show, what topics you want us to, to, to discuss and to talk about. Hey, everyone. It's Sanira here. CEO School is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. We are part of a family of shows designed to help professionals listen, learn, and grow by providing access to the world's leading B2B podcasts like Techish hosted by Abadesi and Michael, a podcast by two millennials talking about all things tech, pop culture, and life. I recently enjoyed listening to Michael and Abadesi dive into Frenemies cloning your tech product, is joining a startup even worth it, the Sunday Times 35 richest under 35, and they even talked about the end of secession. It was quite the enjoyable episode. So listen to Techish wherever you get your podcast. Hi, I'm so glad you're here and enjoying the CEO School podcast. If you're tuning in, chances are that you are an entrepreneur looking for accessible knowledge, resources, and guidance to help you scale to your next level. Well, look no more. Here's the thing. Entrepreneurship is a lonely road and quality mentorship is especially scarce, especially as a female founder. That's why I'm so excited to share the CEO School, the number one platform for entrepreneurs who want to scale. No matter what stage you're at, we meet you there and have the exact tools and resources that you need to finally reach your next level. Learn exactly how we can support you and your business at theceoschool.co. Kind of coming back full circle in that journey, uh, the day that we kind of signed the paperwork for, I mean, who gets to sell their company once and then sell it again a year after? Right. Yeah. And we've had so many successes. Uh, a time that I think about is when we walked away from that $17 million offer yeah, <laughs> like yeah. for selling our company that day, the unicorn party, like the day yeah. that it was, it was there, what was going on in your head? What are some of like that? Like what went on when you actually achieved everything that you wanted to ever achieve? It's a it's a tough question for me. I 
when I go through for me on my own, it takes like a little bit more to settle in. So like when I'm in that setting, it's, it's like you always believe you're going to get somewhere, but you don't believe it until you get there. I don't know how else to say it. And so I think when you looked around and you saw the excitement through other people's eyes is probably when it becomes the most real. Like we got to write, I don't know, 200 checks of over six figures for people. Like, you know, when people ask like, what were the most rewarding moments? I mean, like those are it is like seeing other people win. Like I think is some of the biggest highlights. Um, And so I think that that moment was just like, like it was worth it. Right. I think that there were so many things that people don't get to see. And I'm sure if you follow any of us on Instagram, you get to see the fun side of us, et cetera. But there's a shit ton of other stuff that goes on beyond, you know, behind the scenes from really tough conversations, tough nights, sleepless nights away from family. Um, all you know, the sacrifices. All the sacrifices. And not just of the two of us, of all of the people that are around us, our family members, our friends, um, your daughters, our, my mom, my dad, everybody that supports us to get here. Um, so I think it's like, a really thankful moment. And I think when they get to see you win, like I, I think that's the most rewarding piece of it all. It's like a minor sigh of relief. Cause you're like, all right, now I just entered like a new sort of goal. And then it's, um, it's just a speechless moment to just be there and, and, you know, be proud of what you've accomplished. I love that. I love that you said that it made it worth it. I agree with that. I would say that it doesn't like I I wish almost like I look back and I don't know if you feel that way. We put so much emphasis on a milestone for to validate like our success. Yeah. You know, and I almost wish it wasn't that way to validate it, because if we hadn't reached a billion dollar, like if we hadn't sold it for that, would it have still been worth it? Yeah, it absolutely would have. Right. I, I do. But I think that at least for me, like. And maybe that's something we should work on, right? I think that's a great, <laughs> great one to say, like, let's have a therapy session on. But it goes back to I the wonder competitive, what Laura would say co- right It's now. a competitive nature, right? Yeah. I, I think that if you, it's like the three-month goal, the six-month goal stuff we talked about. If you had done it in seven months, would you have quit, right? Like, yeah. it, It's like, it's those types of things that it's always great to give yourself real goals to go get and then to beat or surpass but you are right, and it's probably what I said in the beginning time. It wasn't the outcome. It was probably a time to reflect on the journey and be proud of the journey. And, and that could have been at 700 million. That could have been at half a billion. That could have been yeah. at 200 million. Or it could have been at 3 billion. Right. Yeah. I think that each one of them is just a reflection of the journey. And if you're proud of the accomplishments you had along the journey, then I think the results will come wherever it may be. I agree. It definitely, like, it just doesn't feel real. I'll still tell you now, like, when do you feel like it's real? like when you read the headlines and like people are like we're everywhere we're speaking at conferences we're doing all this stuff like do you sometimes like how do you zoom out of yourself to be like okay this is my life how do you feel about that it's tough i i don't i don't know it feels very normal to me right it's it just feels like oh yeah we did it like i i sometimes like the more when people do you discount bring it, up, it a lot massively discount it i think i think it's when people bring it up like when you're like out somewhere like, oh my God, uh, can you have five minutes? Can I talk to you about this? Or I want to build this or I want to do that. And like how excited they are to speak to you or do, I think that's where I'm like, oh shit. Yeah, we, we did do that. Like, it's like a reminder of it in that manner. Um, Cause for us, I think we were just so heads down in executing that we didn't really look up, 
Yeah. And so when you look up, you're like, oh shit, I'm up here. Super cool. But like, it's like climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, but you blacked out for all of it. Right. So, <laughs> That's so, entrepreneurship right yeah, there. <laughs> like, hey, you just, you know, you got to the top, but like, you just. You're like, oh shit, yeah, I'm up here. It's cool. Yeah, I did it. So it's like, that's, that's, Fuck, God, I gotta... <laughs> that's kind now of, what? now what? Yeah. Now that's, what? That's kind of the way I describe it. I, I would say the first time, like I went through a lot, um, post that I felt like I felt the most lost actually. Like we've, for me personally, it's like, I almost lost my sense of goals. I feel like a lot of my goals, like I had the goals and then we accomplished all the things. Like, I think my goal was to take it to a hundred million. Like that's like, that was it. Like that was like the first goal that we had. And we had like, even for our initial investors, like our Christmas gift was this like really nice bottle of Macallan's. Like it's like a nice scotch. And we replaced all we replaced out the like the the tag on top and it was like a new label we had put on and it had like our logo and the company it said age to a hundred million. And I'm like, when we get to a hundred million, we'll open it as a board and as a team. Like my vision, I didn't even know I could go build a like a million dollar business, yeah. let alone a hundred million dollar business, let alone a billion dollar business. Yeah. But you, I feel, yeah, always knew. And maybe this is just my like, and we've never had these conversations, by the way. Like, this is really cool. I feel like you always knew where we were going next. And then you pushed me to be like, no, no, we're going to go like, you got to keep going. Like, it's not it's not it's not done yet. It's not done yet. Like, Chase, like, here's another goal. And I feel like I wasn't even like we'd get to this goal and then you'd like raise the bar to the next one. And like, we'd almost get there and like you'd raise the bar again. And again, we collectively, and I'd be like, okay, yes, I'm in. So it wasn't never like I wasn't on board with the plan. But at at that point, I almost felt like there was no other place to go. And I remember like we got our new um, board plan and it was like taking it from like one to like 1.6 or like something like, that's a lot guys. Like like, growing from, yeah, yeah, like it's a lot. It was a big growth number, but like, as a vi- like as a founder, as a visionary, as like the leaders, I wasn't excited. Like there was something about me for the first time at that at that point when I got the new plan back. I was like, man, that just seems small. Like I just feel like that's not changing. Like, do I want to continue? Like I didn't feel that why. Like I feel like all the things I wanted to fulfill, I checked those things off. Like the yeah. people. The rewards, we created 30 millionaires like along the way. We did so much for the community, like all the things that were on the list were there. And then I was like, here's just like go do more from like a revenue perspective. I felt the most like lost yeah. during that time. And I remember, you know, I like I took a my first real vacation after ten, like a real one. Like the first one was at like, that honeymoon. Like I felt yep. like I truly unplugged. Yep. And then 10 years later. Uh, or eight years later, I took the this trip to Europe with my family last summer, and I came back really confused. I came yep. back with this sense of like, I just don't know if I want to continue down this journey. Yep. And I don't know if and it was like this new chapter, and I felt like you were pushing me to keep going, and you were trying to show me, you were trying to excite me, you were like, okay, maybe we could take an IPO. Like the yep. only thing that I was like, okay, you know what? Like I could, because I want, I want to dream big. Like you, yep. I almost got to the point where I was used to having a big goal and like when the goal went like you know you know the the therapy session I remember like the coaching session I remember I was having a conversation with Laura and she said you know well this happened to um Neil Armstrong and uh, you know he landed on the moon and uh you know then what and you know the his he was like 
he didn't go back again on another mission. Like, uh, there were so many things that happened in his career that like, he just was like, okay, I did the thing that I like wanted to go do. And there was like a syndrome that I'm like, I'm probably describing it all wrong, but it's like, what happens when you actually like shoot to land on the moon and you actually land? Yeah. Catch the dog catches the car. The dog actually catches the car. Yeah. What do you do now? now? Yeah. And I came back and I was like, I just, I need a new mission. Like I need a new mission. I'm just not motivated in that way and I want to build again and I want to build something different and I want to I'm, I'm good I'm done I've for the first time I felt like I was able to really let go of this chat I felt like the chapter closed right like for me yeah. um and that was what was going on in my head last year and we started to have the conversations uh with you know with everyone around like my secession planning and yeah. like naturally I just assumed that you would be the next, like you'd, you'd want to do this and take it to the next level. Yeah. What made your decision? And I know this is a question that many of you guys asked and like on the exit of stocks because we're still the largest shareholders yep. at stocks, but we chose to leave together. Yeah. What was going on in your head and what was that decision like? And this is the first time I'm getting to ask you in such a public way. Yeah. Look, we, we are the largest individual shareholders. Um, we absolutely believe in the stack's mission and vision. Um, and, you know, we built a amazing foundational company. And so I think when we started self-reflecting, like nobody can ever take that away from us. So it was the identity crisis portion of like, okay, who am I without stacks? Because we had just known, known yeah. it for over a third of our life. Your was work becomes your worth. Spot on. And so I think for me, I definitely explored the idea of doing it. I was excited about it. Uh, I was excited about continuing on the journey, setting up the company to go public. But I think the big thing was as long as I did it in a way that was autonomous to the vision that we shared. Yeah. And I think that, um, you know, as part of these journeys, when you go through, um, there are multiple visions, right? People, you have investors that you have to return capital for, you have customers that you need to maintain. And when those start to be conflicting in the direction that you may want to go, I think it's an opportunity for you to check back in with yourself and saying, is that what you want to do? Do you want to be an employee? Do you want to still be the visionary? Do you want to be that? And when you start to look at that and when you no longer feel that you are the visionary and just driving the bus, but rather following directions, you know, like you're listening to Google Maps now. And there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. There's amazing areas and it might be the exact uh, direction needs to go. I think that's when the self-reflection came into of being like, you know what, it's probably the time to go out with you um, because I didn't know if it was going to be fun anymore, right? And I, I think that that was sort of the big thing. I think the things that were important to me um, important to us um, if they were going to get challenged in a format that probably didn't set well with us. Uh, I think it was an opportunity for us to, um, you know, be champions of the business from the sideline and uh, super excited where we are today, right? And uh, wish Stacks all the, the best of success. But right now it's really about us time and getting ready to build what we want to build next. I, I appreciate you sharing that perspective. I think a lot of people have asked and we just haven't had like a format to really share yeah. it in as well. And I think it kind of comes back to in the beginning of the episode, um, you had shared about when people listen is when you're really passionate and you're innovative. And you use the word innovation and you use the word passion. And I think every founder goes through this journey, right? You've seen it with like every single 
when you bring on investors and you bring on, these are all great parts of your journey. Like your company would not be successful. I wouldn't no. change any single thing that we did, yep. you know, at all. I'm so appreciative of every single person that's come into our company, good and bad. I'm appreciative of all of our investors that have taken us to every single milestone because you need that milestone to get to the next milestone. Our last private equity group was incredible. We were we would not have been able to take our company from you know the 200 million in value to a billion in value yep. without their support and their vision. Us also tackling yep. along their vision, like their vision of M and A was not something that we either one of us had any experience in. And so it is important. Like all these pieces of the puzzle are are important. But I think it comes to that point when you lose that when you don't get to innovate and i think that when you when you and then you don't become passionate about that yeah. innovation that is when people stop listening to yeah. like you had said people listen and that's what cultivates that and i think every founder goes through this piece and that's why you see founders um move out of ceo roles every like every single day yep. but it's hard right like do you feel like it's hard to let go of your baby like for me that's been like I've been going through this year of a transition of learning. Like I still come, I leave the house and I accidentally drive to work every day, by the way. Like literally I've like just now stopped doing that. It's like, I just, we're so into our day-to-day habits and I miss, like there's parts of the business, like I definitely don't miss. And I feel so much happier and like less stressed of so many things, but I miss our people and I miss all of that. Did you have a hard time transitioning from the day to day of being like, go, 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 solving problems to then like all of a sudden retired life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you go from 16 hour days, calendar scripted, Yeah. Um, you know, from the moment you wake up to what you eat, to what dinner or travel plans you have to all of the sudden having white space on your calendar. It was, it, it was a shocking, weird feeling. It took a bit and originally it was like, oh, travel, go do this. And you do that. And then you return from this, you know, month, two months, whatever, however time you can do it for. And then you get back and then there is an emptiness. There's an emptiness that you want to fulfill because we are builders and we are passionate and we like to contribute. Uh, And when we don't feel like we're solving problems, because I believe I'm on this earth to problem solve, um, it just feels empty. And so you start to think back and you're like, all right, what do I want to do next? And how do I re-spark that um, sort of fire that I've always had? And that's why you see so many successful entrepreneurs do multiple things and end up in multiple companies multiple times. Yeah, why do entrepreneurs become serial entrepreneurs? It's a high. I think it's as simple as that. I mean, you like you can look, Elon Musk, everybody knows this person, right? You went from PayPal, being part of the PayPal mafia to Twitter, to Tesla, to SpaceX. Like these are wildly different pieces. You have Mark Cuban, who's gone from, you know, a radio station aspect of digitally transforming online to cost plus drugs. Like he didn't know anything about medication or maybe at least I don't think he did, but he saw a problem and a need and he's just a problem solver and what he wants to do and contribute to society in the way that he feels like he can bring that. I think it's a gift that some of us and all of us have within us for the entrepreneur community that we just like to solve big problems and leave hopefully the world in a better place. I love it. I'm definitely excited about what our next chapter looks like. Uh, do you have a vision for the next chapter? You know, I, I think the thing for me is 
making people a lot of money. I think uh, I think I want to make a lot of people a lot of money. I really I like do. That. I, I don't exactly. I feel that. Yeah, I, I like, want to make women a lot of money. And and that's that's what it is for me. I think it's like we've been blessed and um, to have had great successes. And I want to share that amongst as many people as we can along the next journey that we get to go do. I love that. I I love that about you. And you are the most generous person that I know. Um, and I'm really excited. I like really been enjoying just doing this. I really do think that, you know, we've literally talked about doing our own show separate. I know this show is very specifically focused on female entrepreneurs, but I do think there is a space to show. We've had so many lessons in entrepreneurship and that there are so many other founders. And I do believe that the way to learn is through other people's experiences. And so I'm sure all of you, I'm learning even right now sitting with you today. Uh, and so I'm excited to see where where this goes. I could talk to you for, I do talk to you for hours every day. You're <laughs> yeah. my first phone call of the day, my last phone call of the day. Um, but now, what an amazing, incredible journey, Sal, that you've had in your career. I've been just a little speck on that, getting to, uh, yeah, right. you know, he's like, yeah, right. Enjoy that. I would say that you've also been really humble in your success. Like, you have been one to never, like, you've always let me take that front seat. Sure. And ne- I've never, I think, you know, one of the questions like Carlos, C- Carlos, our podcast, and I were running through some questions that he had about us. And he goes, do you ever get jealous? Um, of each other and I'd like to hear like I don't like I wouldn't hear your response yeah. to that but you've always been such a champion of also pushing me to be in like so many times I didn't want to be in the driver's seat and you yeah. pushed actually me on the opposite to take the driver um, to, to to take the wheel yeah look I um I don't think there was ever an ounce of jealousy or yeah. envy in that way I think it was about winning right I think that that's what it was and um I feel just as big of a contributor to the success as you do. And um, for me, it wasn't about um, is my face on the article or do I come second in the name? Um, Those are great. Uh, Don't don't get me wrong. I think everybody loves to be in the spotlight and wants the interview. And and that's also nothing wrong with for the people that want that, right? I think that's it. Um, But I just enjoyed executing. And I felt that at the time, you know, you were doing a phenomenal job and it was paying dividends not only to the business, you were able to be an outward CEO, which I think a lot of people forget that that's a huge part of the job and allowed me to concentrate a lot of the skill sets that I had. And so I think it, once again, just created a great partnership. Um, but yeah, no, there's no no envy, no jealousy. I would do it all over again, um, you know, in the same same manner. To close out this amazing AMA, this amazing interview, uh, probably my favorite one um, of all time. I, I so, love it. Of, I was going to say it. this year, but of all time. But our audience has a, we need to ask Sal the burning questions. Right, so, is this like are you fi- ready? Rapid fire? I don't know if it'll be rapid fire because okay. I want you to be able to take your time to answer. Okay. But the number one question that I have for my audience is this, Sal. Are you ready? Okay. Are you single? <laughs> I, I am single. <laughs> Super rapid fire, easy. You are single. There's no, no nothing more you want to add. Are you are you looking to date? I, I we saw an applicant. Some women some women said that there was an like you you posted a poll on like oh, al- that was, accepting uh, Ronnie's wedding, uh, accepting applications I, I am, for a wife. Are you serious about dating? What's I'm, happening there? I'm serious about dating. How Excited. what is dating life now like like in this world? It's very different. Um, you know, obviously. Do you enjoy it? Uh, I think it has its moments. There's a lot of fun to it. I think uh, 
I think the competition is slim amongst the guys, actually. Uh, it's actually it's actually a pretty good spot to be a dude, in my opinion. Oh, shit. Yeah, I, I, I personally think so. Some other dudes may massively disagree with me. Sal, uh, you are literally the, a very young, okay, f- handsome. Fair, yeah. fair enough, fair enough. Young, so, so handsome, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe different, 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 different perspective of it. But uh, no, I enjoy it. And uh, we'll see what happens. Okay. So you are single, ready to mingle. Sure. Okay, because, uh, you know, my question is, are you, like, how many kids do you want in your family? Nieces and nephews? Okay, this is not get? turning into a dating show. Let's, uh, let's continue How many on. kids do you want? I've never asked you that. At least two. At least two. Okay. Yes. We get, we get some cousins. Okay. Sal, you live life to the fullest. Um, how do you do it? How much sleep do you actually get? Wow. Um... I've gone through phases of life of sleep is what I would say. And the follow-up question, there was a lot on morning routines too. So like yeah. how do you stay like – because you're always go, go, go. So everyone yeah. notices you're always go, go, go. You travel from city to city. How do you sleep? I, what is I, your routine? I should probably prioritize sleep more is what, I, what I'd say. In general, during the weekdays, I'm going to bed decent hour, like 10-ish is actually the truth. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't go through spurts. Um, I can sacrifice sleep pretty easily and be fairly high performing. Um, and so you will see me in segments where I can get three to four hours of sleep and absolutely continue to do things. Um, but in general, that that's what it looks like. Um, morning routines, I wake up 6, 10 every morning. Uh, still to this day, even post stacks, I've I haven't like switched. Six ten on the dot. You're a believer in like the random number thing. I am. I do believe. Like you don't. If you invite somebody to your house at seven thirty for dinner, what time are you coming? Seven forty. Seven forty-five. First of all, snares coming at like eight twenty-five. <laughs> for the record, but but yes, you're not coming. But if I told you, hey, Snira, we have a party. You have to be there at seven thirty-six. Yeah, I would be there at 7.36. Because you're like, why did he tell me 7.36? And so I believe that if you provide people specific times. No, he would times, do this for meeting times too. Meeting times as well. I think it creates a different sense of urgency in people. I love that tip. Um, okay, so you really don't sleep. I would say that you like you literally are like, you can function on zero sleep. I've seen you function on very little sleep. You can definitely be the guy that goes out all night and then is like fully functioning the <laughs> yes. next day. Whereas if I don't sleep, I... Well, I, I can't. I will yeah. sleep. Like, I, I will not do that. What is your morning routine like? So you wake up at 610. What yeah. does a routine look like? Are you a consistent routine guy? Are you a non-consistent routine guy? Well, pr- pretty consistent. So it's wake up in the morning. Um, I have a dog. Her name's Miley. So got to run Miley out. What kind of a dog is Miley? She's a Maltese. She's nine years old. She's adorable. Um, so yeah, we run Miles out. And then I run upstairs, make a cup of coffee. Um you know, get my allergy medicine going and uh, and then jump in the car, go to uh, my workouts. I have a personal trainer, Bruce. So I do that from seven to eight with a bunch of friends. From there, get back, shower up, clean up, and then start working on some emails or some areas between like 8.45 to 9.30. And then the day starts and that could be a variety of different things here and there, depending when I get back, like I could take a longer walk around the lake. Um, I always called my dad in the morning since forever. So now when I leave the workout. For those I, that don't know, our father passed away in 2020. Yes, he passed away in 2020. 
Um, so I call one of three friends every morning to see whichever one picks up. And every morning, one of them do pick up. Primarily, it's Chin. Chin's like my morning routine phone call. And so we talk about the most random things. Today, we talked about 4th of July and how proud we are to be immigrants in the United States. And, you know, there's a thousand political views out there, but, you know, this gave us a land of opportunity. And we were talking about mom getting a blue passport in the first time and Aww. grandma getting a, a blue passport. And what I learned about Chin, ironically enough, was he used to teach Asian, he's, he's Chinese for those that don't know, to get through the through the actual exam. It's actually oh. a very tough exam for people that yeah. don't know that. And so people didn't speak English. So he's gotten 40. I remember when Dadi, our grandma, had to go take the exam and we sat with her for her English interview. Yeah. So he was telling me that he's gotten 40 people their blue passports and he coached them all through getting their fees. Oh I was God. like, I should have not noticed about is you. That? Yeah. Okay. Um, how many pairs of Jordans do you own? I own a lot of Jordans. Um, probably north of 140 pairs. Um just a big shoe fanatic and continue to, you know, I think it's a great way to describe personality. I think it's easy to dress them up, dress them down. And, you know, when you can be playful with different colors and uh, I just love uh, as many pairs of Jordans as I can continue to own. You're a sports guy. I've seen you travel to all of the sporting events everywhere. Um, Could you tell us what is your favorite sport or is there one? Um, It's got to be between the NBA and the NFL. If I have to lean a direction, this is <gasps> tough. I've never had to actually I think coming across the NBA finals, it's it's probably the NBA right now. I think I've waffled between the NFL and NBA. I'm a huge Cowboy fan, but, you know, 20 plus years, we've won like one playoff game. So it's kind of tough to continuously be one, but still am a uh, huge fan of the Dallas Cowboys. But the Mavericks, I think... Um, I don't know, watching basketball, the energy, the people. I think it's... To you, me, you got to get the Dallas Cowboys to come invest in stocks. I that did. Was, that was definitely an amazing highlight of, of our career, especially yours. That was something really exciting. Got to meet Jerry Jones, go to the Super Bowl. Um, Are you going to try to get Mark Cuban now since <laughs> like that was like the next one for our next investor? You know, so to me, what's really cool about sports where I think, um, I think people may miss it at times that aren't big sport fanatics it's actually the one place where nothing else matters, race, political, all of the things go away and people are like team blue or team red. And whichever yes. team you're on, it doesn't matter. This person behind me could be something that I massively disagree with, politically blank, this, it's it's irrelevant because we're both rooting for team red. We will hug it out, share every single experience yeah. together. And it's such a unifying experience yeah. that I think that only sports in this world brings still to this day from everywhere around the world. And I think it's, uh, it's something that should still be cherished. That is a beautiful experience. Uh, one food that you could eat for the rest of your Pizza. life. Pizza, okay. simple. All right. Um, who met Faisal first and why is Faisal your best friend? And is that annoying? It's annoying for me. <laughs> Faisal is Sunir's husband. Um, you met Faisal first mm -hmm. and then uh, Faisal and I obviously hit it off. Why we are best friends, it's very simple. I think we, we get along well. Um, he's one of the nicest humans you will ever meet if you ever get to meet him. It's, it's actually funny because... I think most people get to meet me first and they're like, Sal's awesome. Then they meet Sanira and they're like, Sanira's way cooler sibling. And then people that we both know get to meet Faisal and then they're like, 
best friends with Faisal talking. Faisal's like on their boat or having dinner without the two of us. And we're like, what happened here? We're top liver. Uh, it, it, it's what happens in all of our relationships. But uh, come, everybody good. loves Faisal. Everybody loves Faisal. Everybody loves Faisal. All right. Um, we'll close this off by, okay, tell us um, an embarrassing story. There was a couple about Sunny. So we'll do two. We'll do, tell us an embarrass. Okay, I'm kind of worried about this, about Sunny. Something embarrassing, embarrassing story or something so. that from your childhood, something embarrassing, like a story that makes you like laugh that. You know, we, we did a variety of things as young kids. Like, um, you know, I have scars left and right. We used to, you know, one time we egged a house on Halloween and instant karma. I ran into a stop sign. <laughs> um, legit. So I had to like get, I had a cut on my head. It was just, it was just you know, kids be kids kind of situation there. Yeah. We used to own convenience stores and fill up balloons and we would, you know, take the helium from the balloons. And this one, Sanira took too much balloon, too much helium from a balloon where she knocked out all of the shelves in the convenience store. And so we've done crazy things to the point where, you know, when we talk about entrepreneurship, I mean, Sanira used to put on an actual chicken suit, physical chicken suit and spin a sign on the corner of the street to get people to come into church. That was my chicken. first job, by the way. My first actual real job when I turned 16 was at one of my one of the, the church's chicken. We had a church's yep. chicken in Arlington, Texas. I was a sicko gas station with a church's chicken. And I literally like the job was to give kids balloons and like wear this like giant like chicken suit and tell people to come in for like a Saturday special or whatever the sign said and just to like hand balloons out in so, Texas. Yeah scorching heat so we have we have a ton of stories but uh all great i love that um that's funny that's just like literally made me spit out okay so three words to describe your sister and not the ones that we want to hear three words to describe you oh shit um we'll close it out after this one opinionated okay yes true i think that one that one is there um not ones we want to hear definitely opinionated she can be you can tell the nice ones after um you know there are not that many not nice ones i think, oh. I think, I think opinionated is is definitely going to be the one that's that pops off to my head uh she can be strong-willed yeah right so when she's gotten goes back to the opinionated but strong-willed and then um you know lastly i would say uh you know, I don't have any other. I love that ones. you're totally struggling with this. Okay, so yeah. three words to describe your sister, just overall. Unselfish, so very much putting everybody else in front. Um, she's vocal, so you can take it in either side of that when <laughs> you want to. Going back to the other one, she is vocal, so when she has a she has a perspective, she ensures um, that you 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 hear it out loud, and so. Um, and then just tenacious. I think like you just don't take no for an answer and continue to find a way in anything and everything. It could be as simple as when we, you want Chinese food or not to talking about, you know, raising capital while being pregnant. So it just, uh, it's always been there. Sal, this has just been so much fun. Just having this conversation with you. I feel like we haven't even had a like we haven't even had this in so long. We're always so busy on the go. Thank you so much for being so vulnerable, sharing this side. Um, I could not have done any of this without you. For those that, that really don't know this, like it really takes a village to do things. And my better half 
you know, every single day in my life, in work and all the things, you know, I have the best support system and I have that at home with my partner and my husband and for all the things with my children. But as a family and as business and thinking about life and our goals, all of that I share every day with you, Sal. And I'm super, super proud of you, like as uh, your business partner. Appreciate and as that. your sister, it's it's incredible. I get to do it. I get to do all the things. And one of my favorite things is like going to the White House last, you know, last visit to the White House. We're actually going to go see Kamala, uh, Miss Madam next Vice week. President next week. And we were standing outside of the White House uh, waiting to get inside. And we both looked at each other. And like the one thing, like we had a moment at that moment. And the thing that we, you know, we're talking about is how crazy like you get this one invite to go do something special and when you you know i you know for those entrepreneurs like it's very lonely being an entrepreneur that is like the if i were to sum up entrepreneurship in anything it's it's the loneliness that's the hardest and it's lonelier at the top and as lonely as i've always felt in different ways i've never actually been lonely yeah. i've always gotten to share it with you and I looked to you in that moment and we're like probably in one of the highlights of our lives is like getting as immigrant kids like to go walk into the White House, be invited by the president and get an opportunity to share our story and to, you know, represent who we are. And we look at each other and we're like, man, like this is one of those moments and I'm so lucky that we get to do it together because yep. no one else will understand that. Like we can come back and talk about it. I can go back and tell Faisal and sometimes we miss out on like all of, we can come back and tell our spouses, we can come back and tell our friends and our family. But the one person that always gets it, like in every aspect, the hard it, the yeah. good it, the all of the things in, in between is you. And so I'm never lonely because I, 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 I have you that. and I can't- mutual. And that's just the greatest thing. And so I wish this truly upon my kids. And, you know, hopefully, you know, when your kids get added to the mix and we can all hopefully carry on this amazing family bond that we have, but also for all of those that, you know, listen to this episode, feel not just inspired, but motivated to build that team, right? Like you are that, that is your family. The friends that you choose can also become your family. And so find that tribe. And it truly is one team, one dream. Thank you everyone for this two-part episode. If you enjoyed it, screenshot this, this episode, tag Sal at Sal Ramatula. We'll be linking it in the show notes. You can tag me, you can tag CEO School and let us know what you loved, your biggest takeaways. And if we want to invite Sal back, because uh, we'd love to have him. And also if you're interested in us having our own series and like what the series could be about that's different from CEO School. Uh, and so I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And if you tune in to subscribe to that, we are really excited about building this next unicorn. And so we want to build, we're going to build again, we're going to build big. Um, and we'd love to take you along on that journey and um, just really excited. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening, listening in until next week at CEO School. Bye everyone. Hi, I'm so glad you're here and enjoying the CEO School podcast. If you're tuning in, chances are that you're a female entrepreneur looking for accessible knowledge, resources, and guidance. Well, look no more. Here's the thing. Entrepreneurship is a lonely road and quality mentorship is scarce, especially as a woman. Access to knowledge from other female founders is hard to come by. And when coaching my mentees, I keep finding that they're sitting on gold mines and simply lack a little bit of guidance for scale. 
That's why I had to interrupt today's show and share the CEO school with you is the number one platform for female founders who want to scale beyond the million dollar mark. No matter what stage you're at, we meet you there and give you the exact tools and resources you need to finally reach your next level. Through mentorship, accountability, community, and education, we've helped thousands of female founders break the millions of revenue and beyond. Between masterclasses led by me and experts, fireside chats with stellar celebrity founders, access to subject matter experts to bust through your blockers, event-packed calendars, and more, the value of being inside of the room is quite frankly priceless. Learn exactly how we can support you and your business at thecoschool.co. Thank you for tuning into today's show. If you loved it, leave us a review. We are so proud to bring you authentic conversations, game changer expert guests, and valuable content on and offline. The best compliment you can give us is by screenshotting today's show and tagging us on Instagram at CEO School and at Sanira Madani. We are obsessed with swag, so don't be surprised if we want to send you some. Thanks for tuning into class today. And remember, nothing bad happens when women make more money.